So just to let you know, uh, today I am starting a new series in the life of Joseph. It's going to be a short one. And the question we are the question we'll be answering is how can we become what God wants us to be despite our difficulties, despite the painful experiences that we face? How can we still become what God wants us to be? I believe this is what is happening to Joseph's life. If you are not aware, Joseph's account occupies more space in the book of Genesis than any other individual. It is also a narrative that is filled with hate and love, tears of joy and tears of grief. It is a gripping masterpiece of deception, endurance, and forgiveness. But in a nutshell, it is a narrative that reveals how God works his will, how he works to accomplish his purposes in the face of human weaknesses. If you're looking for a friend, a friend who exemplifies a life that glorifies God in the face of mistreatment and false accusations, then Joseph is your friend. If you're looking for a Christian who can confess that God means well while going through unfair judgment and mistreatment, then Joseph is that person. But if you're looking for a person you can identify with, a person that manages to be faithful in the face of unfaithfulness, then that person you can identify with is Joseph. His life's experience is essential for us, for each one of us, Actually, many Christians focus so much on the, old, on the New Testament and neglect the Old Testament. But there's a reason we have the Old Testament. There's a reason we have the 66 books of the Bible. The Old Testament is important for us. In fact, Paul speaks in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, and he says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. You and me need the Old Testament. He also says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6, now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. They are an example to us. In verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 10, he says, These things happened to them 
as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. There's a reason we have the Old Testament and we need it. And for those of you who know me, I love the Old Testament. I do. I think there's a Many ways God reveals himself in the Old Testament that uh, we sometimes miss. For those of you that are joining us this morning for the first time, you are welcome. If you don't have a church, this can be your church. And if you allow me, I will be your pastor. For those of us that have been here we know that uh, here at Southside Bible Fellowship, we believe that the Bible is God's word. But we also believe that since everyone who believes in Jesus is a child of God, let's say it together, the Bible is God's word for us. Father, we thank you for this morning. We know, Lord, that you mean well. We know that you have a message for us. We know, Father, that you are making us like your son, Jesus Christ. And therefore, we pray this morning as we listen to your word, that you will speak to our hearts, that you will bring us closer to you, and that you will, through it, accomplish what you intend to accomplish in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Most of us know the story of Joseph. We know about his account. But most of us probably think that Joseph is a, oh, a perfect Christian. He is not. If you look at your Bible, in fact, Genesis chapter 37, which we are focusing on today, if you look at verse 2, it tells us this is Jacob's account. It's an account of Jacob's family. And then it says, Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Joseph is far from perfect. He brings a report to his father. He misrepresents the report to malign his brothers. And his brothers don't like him because of this. But Joseph is also Jacob's favorite son. He is his favorite son because... Joseph was born by his favorite wife. You know the story of Jacob. He wanted to marry who? Rachel. But he was given, he was given Leah instead. So he decided to work for more years so he can get his most loved wife, Rachel. And then Leah had children. Rachel didn't have children. She was frustrated. 
for many years. And then God opened her womb and she had Benjamin and Joseph and she died. This is why Jacob loves Joseph so much. He is his favorite son and this makes his brothers hate him. And then to to crown his favoritism, Jacob makes a royal court for Joseph. A robe that sets him apart as one who would receive a double portion of the inheritance. And it makes his brothers hate him even more. And as if that's not enough, the Lord gives Joseph a dream. A dream that sets him apart as one whom everyone would bow to. A dream that changes the cause of his life. A dream that becomes the source of his sorrow and pain and grief, but also the source of his hope. And Joseph tells his brothers about this dream. It's one dream, but it came in different forms. First time he dreamed about the sheaves, and all the sheaves of his brothers were bowing to him. And then the second time he had a dream about the sun and the stars and the moon. And they all bowed to him. And he shared this dream with his family. And his father understood the dream. His brothers understood the dream. In fact, his father said... Let's look at verse 8. His brothers said, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. In verse 10, when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him. And said, what is this dream you had? Will will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in his mind. This dream brings tension To Joseph's life. It gives him hope because it assures him that there is something that God wants to accomplish in his life. But because of the opposition that he faces from his own family, it becomes his source of pain and discouragement and sorrow and grief. It is a dream that changes the cause of his life. And so this day when his father sends him to see how his brothers are doing as they watch over their father's flock, 
We are told when they see Joseph coming, they say, here comes the dreamer. And they conspire to kill him. They plot to kill him. Look at verse 18. They saw him in the distance and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer. They say to each other, come and let us kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Now listen to this part because this is important. Then we will see what comes of his dreams. Let's kill the dreamer so that we can kill the dream. The brothers are against Joseph's dream, which means they are against what God is doing in Joseph's life. They are against God's plans. Let's kill him and see what comes of his dream. Joseph's sudden appearance ignites his brother's rage, his brother's hatred, and they plot to kill him. But before they slaughter his throat, before they cut him into pieces, one of their brothers, Reuben, comes up with a rescue plan. He says, let us not kill our brother. Let us throw him into a pit. And his plan was that he would come back and rescue him and take him back to the father. And so, like a, an angry pack of wild dogs, they pounced on their brother and they stripped him of the royal court and they threw him into a pit. And as Joseph lay down in that empty pit, wounded and naked, the brothers sat down to eat. They were enjoying themselves. Some of us have been in these positions before where you believed that God was doing something in your life. You believed that God was accomplishing something, that he was leading you somewhere, that he was fulfilling something in your life, and then the people that are supposed to support you the people that are supposed to cheer you up, to encourage you to go on, becomes the people that try to discourage you, to stop you from becoming what God wants you to be. It's painful when the people that are against you 
are the people closest to you. It hurts. It causes deep anguish when your loved ones are the ones who are trying to stand on your way. And you can imagine what is happening to Joseph. You can imagine what is going on in his mind while he is in the pit and his brothers are eating. You can imagine what the enemy is whispering in his ears as he thinks of the dream. The pit was not part of the dream. It was not in the dream. And these are moments that the enemy whispers to our ears. These are moments that we hear those small voices asking us, where is your God now? Where is your God now? And many of us have been in moments like this where something happens in our lives, we find our, ourselves in those low moments and we are discouraged, we are depressed, and we are wondering, where, where is this God now? What, what is he doing? But there's also a lesson in the pit. Because when you are in a pit like that, in that kind of loneliness and darkness, your help cannot come from down below. It cannot come from the sides. Your help can only come from above. Amen. And I think when Joseph is in the pit, he learns to look up. He becomes more expectant of God's help. And one thing that I see in Joseph's life here is that even in our lowest moments, the grace of God is still at work. You know, we all find ourselves in those difficulties. And some difficulties come because of our own sins. Because of the bad choices that we make. Some difficulties come to us because of the choices that other people have made. Regardless of why and how we face our difficulties. The truth is, in every difficulty that we face as Christians, God is at work. And for anyone who is listening to us this morning who does not know the Lord, you are like Joseph in the pit. You cannot get out on your own. And if you continue to stay there, you will die. You will die in your sins. You must realize that your help can only come from above. 
and turn to the Lord in repentance and call on him and he is willing to pull you out. See, God does not send people to hell. Without Christ, we are all on our way to hell. God just intervened by providing Jesus Christ so that we can escape that hell. But all of us, the Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. All of us, without Christ, are on our way to hell. God, through Jesus Christ, has provided a way out. He's given us an opportunity to escape that lake of fire. He's not sending us there. We are going there. He is protecting us from getting there through Jesus Christ. So while Joseph is in there and the brothers are eating, they see Ishmaelites coming, a caravan of Ishmaelites. These are business people. And then Judah gives another suggestion. And this is, this is one revelation of God's grace. Their intention was for him to die there. But through Judah... God speaks and they say, let us not kill our brother. What good will it be if he dies? Let us sell him as a slave. And though they saw, they sell their brother as a slave to the Midianites who go and sell him in Egypt. And then they take that robe, that royal robe, that special robe, they slaughter a goat and they dip it into blood and they take it to their father. And they tell him, in verse 31, they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in the blood. They took the honored robe back to their father and said, we found this. Examine it and to see whether it is your son's robe. He recognized it and said, it is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely be, been torn to pieces. They listen to this as, he, as their, bra, their father tried to imagine what has happened to his son, his favorite son. Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar's, to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. The robe that symbolizes great love becomes 
a tool that is used to deceive, but also a source of grief to the father. Joseph, who began the day as, a, as the special one, wearing a royal robe, ends the day as a wounded, naked slave who is sold by his own brothers. Like Joseph, we all live our lives with an imperfect understanding of God's will. We live our lives with an, an imperfect understanding of what God is doing in our lives. Many things happen to us at times that don't make sense because we don't have the full picture of what God is trying to accomplish. And sometimes it's confusing, at times it's discouraging. Many times it tempts our faith. Such experiences make us even doubt our own faith. When you look at Joseph, you will realize in this text that we are reading that the only thing that he can hold on to the only thing that gives him hope, the only thing that motivates him to endure the pain and the mistreatment is the dream. The idea that God will accomplish something gives him hope. The idea that God has a plan for him gives him hope. The idea of this dream and what would happen is the only thing that Joseph has to hold on to. And so, how can we become what God wants us to be? In the face of difficulties. How can we become what God wants us to be despite our difficulties? I'm glad you asked. We become what God wants us to be despite our difficulties by believing that God will keep his word. It is by believing that this God will do what he says he will do. And that is what Joseph needs in his life. That is what you and me need in our lives. Despite all the difficulties that we experience, we must keep on reminding ourselves that God will still keep his word. And if he will keep his word, I am going to trust him. I'm going to wait on him. I'm going to believe in him. I will still endure because I know this God. We, we all carry wounds. Painful wounds, some of which go back to when we were young. 
And for some of us, that is recent history. For some of us, all it takes is a family reunion to revive those old wounds. A family reunion brings back those bad memories. For some of us, all it takes is a high school reunion to remind us those, of those painful experiences. We all carry these wounds, wounds that we have incurred from irrational parenting, injustice, false accusations, betrayal, The list is endless. And we must never minimize such wounds or even imply that they are unreal. In fact, we must, as Christians, we must seek to sympathize and empathize with anyone that has such an experience in his or her life. And we must seek to reconcile where necessary. But here is another truth. Those wounds that we have experienced are real. But our God is real too. And he is powerful. He is so powerful that when we turn to him for healing, he is able to provide that healing. Even from those painful experiences. Our wounds, our experiences are real, but our God is real too. And just as Joseph, his experience is real, the hatred from his brothers is real, the, is real, the pain that he experiences is real, the loneliness in the pit, the slavery is real, but his God is real too. And if his God is real, then he will keep his word. Amen. And this is the same God that we believe in. It is the same God that you and I put our trust in. Joseph's experience shows us that life can be unfair and tragic. But it also teaches us that we have a great God. And if there's anything that I would like you to take from this message, it is that we have a great God who keeps his word and that we can trust him and we must believe that this God means well and when we do that you and I we will respond differently to the experiences that we face even from our loved ones those painful experiences that you have incurred in life. You can use them as an opportunity to glorify God rather than living a life of anger and bitterness. 
When you realize that you believe in a God who is greater than all your pain and all your experiences and he has given you promises and this God will keep his word. That he is remaking you. He is transforming you to a person that doesn't look like that abused, mistreated person, but to a person that will glorify him, to a person that will exemplify him, to a person that will walk and talk like him in the world that doesn't like him. That he is lifting you up. He's accomplishing and fulfilling his promises in your life. When you see your God that way, you will see your experiences differently. Brothers and sisters, the God of Genesis is real. And he keeps his word. Let us trust in him. Let us encourage ourselves in this God. Let us find our hope and our joy and our peace in the God that keeps his word. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your people. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for reminding us that we can trust you. And Lord, you know each one of us, you know our experiences, you know those memories that keep on taking us back to that painful experience. Those memories that keep us in bondage, stopping us from enjoying the life that we have now. You can see them, Lord, because you know them. And on behalf of of everyone who is here, Lord, because you, you can hear the cry of their hearts. They don't want to be there, but in many ways they keep finding themselves back there in that pit. Father, may you bring healing to that person. May you bring healing to that person who keeps finding himself or herself in that pit. That pit of abuse and pain and loneliness and wounds so that they may find their healing in you, so that they may find their joy in you. And Lord, there's also that one soul which is already in a pit too and needs to be delivered. How I pray that you may speak to that soul. How I pray that you may soften that heart. That Lord, that one person who does not know you may respond to you and be saved. And for all of us who are here how I pray that you may minister to us in your own way. Because, Lord, you know us better than anyone else, and you know what we need. May you, Father, minister to us, and through it may you accomplish what you intend to accomplish in our lives. 
In Jesus' name, amen.